Welcome to the Better Human Podcast. Today's show is the Better Sovereign Show, something related to money, sovereignty, governments, jurisdictions, rights, sovereignty, freedom. And today we're talking about banking and fiat real quick and how basically it's like collective madness. Banking, fiat, it is the most corrupt thing going on in broad daylight. And that's a big statement. If you actually look at what's going on in 2021, and 2020 with lockdowns and mask wearing and virtual signaling and all this nonsense that they say is based in science, but it's actually not because science isn't a thing that's fixed. Science is a process. Science is a process of forever trying to falsify things. It's a process of discovery. Throughout history, 99% of the time, like most of the time, is scientists and most scientists being wrong most of the time. (laughs) Trust science so that you can be wrong most of the time. That's basically what it comes down to. But without that, we're here talking about fiat, banking system, etc. I got this quote here from a book I'm reading, Bitcoin Sovereignty Through Mathematics. I believe it is by Kurt something S. This is a direct quote. The story of banking and fiat currency is a story about collective madness. Historically, rulers have tricked people into killing each other through the promise of an afterlife. That's what the holy wars were and religion has been and still is for a lot of people. Through central banking, the rulers of the world wars could trick people into building armies for them by printing more money. This is seldom mentioned in history classes because it still goes on today at a massive scale. Inflation might no longer be paying tank factory workers, but it is the main mechanism that funnels wealth into the pockets of the super rich and away from everyone else. Inflation is a mechanism that hinders us from transporting the value of our labor through time. It makes us avoid real long-term thinking. That's known as time preference. It forces people to have a short time preference because your money doesn't hold value over time. So you're kind of incentivized to spend it. And that's basically what the Fed's mandate is, to keep the stock market high, keep people spending money, and keep everybody a nation of debt slaves, basically. I've done other shows on this. The thesis always is buy Bitcoin. Like it's the best chance you have of protecting yourself. And I use Swan Bitcoin colin.coach slash swan for an auto buy simplifies it. You could dollar cost average in on a daily basis. And that way you get the highs and the lows and it evens out over time rather than trying to time the market. Anybody that thinks they can time the market or trade something like this is literally delusional, but I won't get into that. All right. Fiat currency, which just means fiat means by decree or like by order, which is the government saying, this is money. You have to use this. And because the government controls how much money enters planet earth, they have the ultimate power. They don't have to balance their books. They can just throw money at any problem that shows up. And because of the short nature of these things for the incumbents, the politicians, and the the talking heads that talk about this stuff, when you print a bunch of money, it's likely you don't see the effects of that for maybe years on end. But over a long enough period of time, like over the past 60 years, we can see how $1 does not buy you what it used to buy you. This is what inflation does. It destroys purchasing power and it's more dollars chasing the same scarce resources. You then get asset inflation like real estate and stock market at our all-time highs, even through 2020. Why? Because they printed a bunch of money and people wanted to, needed to put their money somewhere. Investors, investors needed to store their money somewhere to be protected. And so they flood to assets, stock market, real estate, uh, even NFTs and a lot of the craziness in the, the crypto market. A lot of this is based on a lot of money in the system and people needing to move it to places, plus a healthy dose of hype investing through monkey see, monkey do. Because when assets rise in value, that's actually, ironically and paradoxically, because it's really stupid, that's when everyone else floods in. <laughs> it's like social proof on steroids. The reality is you should be doing what like Buffett said, as you should be greedy when others are fearful and fearful when everyone's greedy. So when everyone's piling into GameStop or this or that, you should probably be afraid, you know, because it's not based on, it's likely not based on economic reality.
Fiat, though, is basically the way that the government, and this is the most important point in this entire show, and the most important thing that I want you to wrap your head around. And when you do, it could potentially save your financial future. And it will completely change everything. It's kind of like the one big red pill movement where if you can accept this idea, you can see how broken the system is. And then you can start asking yourself, what other things that I've been led to believe is broken too, right? And then you realize like it's most things actually. Fiat dollars, like the American dollar, for example, they print all the time. Like every month they're printing billions of dollars. They printed trillions last year. They've just printed another trillion. They're, they're proposing another $3 trillion infrastructure bill, or I think it's down to like $1 trillion or $2 trillion. Never before in the history of the American Republic have we been talking about trillion dollar numbers. In fact, in 2009, it was like, it was billions, and that was a big deal. Now we just throw around trillions like it's nothing because we've just hit this kind of escape velocity where the debt and the dollars and, and the mismanagement of the government balance uh, sheet and the budget is so out of whack that they have to keep throwing more and more money to try to solve these things. And they keep propping the system up. And what that is doing is that's funneling money into people close to the money printer known as the Cantillion effect. So the rich get richer, asset prices go up. And if you think about it, if you own a bunch of assets and all your asset prices are at all time highs, you could literally pick and choose and sell and get a bunch of money that you didn't do anything to earn. It's not based on economic reality. And then you can take those dollars and buy other things that might have more value or whatever. So like, it just helps make the rich richer is what it is especially the mega rich that own like lots of assets. But that's not the thing I even want you to really wrap your head around. The thing I really want you to wrap your head around is known as the silent tax. That's what a lot of people call inflation. Inflation is a silent tax on your wealth. So every dollar that you hold in your bank account right now, but also this is very important for most people because we all Likely we all earn income in some way. We trade our time for money or we have passive investments, we have income, we have real estate, whatever it is. Every time the government prints more money, they make the purchasing power of your money, of your dollars, and of the money that you earn through your paycheck or your work or whatever, they make it less valuable. Inflation is increasing the supply of something and thus lowering the value and the purchasing price because now there's more things available and the economic reality is that it's pretty much the same that was available before, the same amount of real estate, the same amount of this, same amount of that. The market doesn't respond by just creating a bunch of more stuff and more food and more this and more that or more companies just because they print more dollars. So what they're doing is they're continually printing more dollar, dollars and they're continually devaluing the dollars that you have and the dollars that you earn. This is why it hits the poor so freaking bad because poor people that have to, let's say, live paycheck to paycheck, and they're making 10 bucks an hour to support a family or something. And the government comes along and prints money and they don't get a raise that's proportionate. So every year they might get a slight raise. Yeah, maybe, but a lot of the low income jobs don't even get that. Your money in a year, for example, last year, they printed about one fifth of all US dollars in existence. So let's just assume 20% was the cost of capital. As Michael Saylor says, it's basically the cost of having capital and earning capital, uh, which in this case is dollars. What is the cost of that? Well, the cost is when you're operating dollars is whatever the US government does, that's your cost. And because they printed 20%, it's a 20% cost. It's a 20% inflation basically. So if you're making $10 an hour and then they print all that money, and then over the course of that year, your purchasing power gets eroded away it's not going to happen overnight, but it might happen over six months or a year as the market responds. Now, all the prices of everything around you have risen, right? And in response to the printing, you're making the same amount of money. It is a silent tax. It is a tax that most people don't even know they're paying. And it's why every year they can't get ahead. They have no idea why. Most companies, even that people that have good jobs, will get a raise every year. But 
I would say that nobody's actually getting enough of a raise to combat inflation because they are so out of whack with it right now and probably never going back. The silent tax is every day you wake up when the government prints more money and, and expands the money supply, which they just do on a screen. The Fed just prints up a few billion dollars, a few trillion dollars, whatever it is. And they give that up to the banks and then all this money floods the market, whatever. And it's not as simple as that. There's other things like lending and fractional reserve banking and whatever, a lot of which have their own problems. That paycheck that you get next week and then next six months and next year, and then maybe you get a little bit of a raise next year, hopefully keeps up with inflation. You're definitely not getting ahead. So every year you feel like you're making more money, but everything else is getting expensive around you. If you're lucky, you're treading water. If you're lucky, you're not getting poor every year. Most people are not that lucky. Most people are actually getting poor. And most people have no freaking idea why. And if you go to the grocery store, you look at all the prices of things that you're buying six months ago and they've all risen. If you eat out any restaurants, I'm in Austin, all the restaurants around me, every restaurant that I've gone to that I haven't been to in months because I don't really eat out a lot. But when I go, I'm flabbergasted by the price increases. There's a paleo restaurant, it's a funny example, that started out as a paleo restaurant in Austin, Texas. And I believe they're sellouts. So whatever, I won't even go there. They used to have cassava flowers on their, on their menu as the baseline for their tacos because they were grain-free, sugar-free, seed oil-free, et cetera. Now, corn tortillas is what you get. And if you want cassava, you got a dollar upcharge just to have cassava tortillas. Like, it's incredible. And that's a form of inflation. It's like, it's like shrinkflation. It's where you spend more of the same on a food product, for example, but it's a smaller amount of food or, or maybe even a different ingredient entirely, right? It's a cheaper thing. And you're seeing that all throughout the food industry. You're seeing it in boxes that come in packages that are now smaller, whatever. So the core idea here to wrap your head around is this idea of a silent tax. You don't opt into it. You have no choice in the matter. I mean, at least as far as you're operating with dollars, like you can buy Bitcoin, maybe have a little bit of gold and silver. Uh, you know, you can have things to protect yourself and maybe even benefit from the rising inflation, but you can't change whether the government prints money or not. You can't change whether you get paid in dollars or not. Like a lot of these things are just set as the, the way it is. And you have to have a strategy for kind of on-ramping and off-ramping them, which is again, what Bitcoin's perfect for doing. You didn't sign up for this. You didn't vote for it. Nobody talks about it. You have no say in the matter. And the government steals out of your pocket every single time they do it. And they make all of us poor. And they make all of us, the goal is to basically be wage slaves, debt slaves, rent, you know, we pay rent because BlackRock owns all the houses, etc. It's just another form of serfdom. And most people have no idea it's going on right now. When you realize how broken this thing is, and they don't have a choice, they have to keep printing money. They have to prop it up, right? And I would even say that a lot of the people that are in there, like in the Fed and whatever, like I don't, I don't think they're evil people. I just think they're in this fiat paradigm that's been going on for so many years. I mean, basically since Nixon took us off the gold standard. So we're at the 50 year mark for this crap. Um, they're just trying to put a handle on it and they probably want to do good and they probably wouldn't choose to steal out of the pockets of most Americans. But that is exactly what they're doing. Just like most politicians probably go into office thinking they're going to make change and do good things. And they convince themselves that they're doing good when they're really just sociopaths that are there for power and money. <laughs> and even the ones that go in with a clean slate and want to do good, they get sucked into the system and then they realize, well, if I want to play this game, I got to play the game. I got to play the political game. If I want to get elected again, I got to play the game, whatever. And then they are corrupted by the system rather than going in to try to change the system because one person cannot change the system. Like it just, it is what it is. The only person to blame is yourself if you don't educate yourself and you don't take action. So buy some Bitcoin, understand what I'm talking about, go deep into the history of money, Listen to the What Is Money podcast, the first nine episodes with Robert Breedlove and Michael Saylor. That's a really, really great introduction that will pretty much red pill you on Bitcoin, but also give you a perspective of thinking about 
like everything differently. And I've read Sapiens and I've been reading history and I read the book Debt and I've read a lot of the history of money and how it started with like banknotes and gold and silver and all these different things. Uh, I, I've studied silver and gold extensively. I bought a lot of gold in 2020 and I bought a lot of silver. And in 2021, after finally, I would say kind of going over the Bitcoin edge where I finally saw the light, I was finally there, probably took a hundred hours of intense study. I finally got there and I sold a lot of my gold and silver and I, am now pro Bitcoin. Bitcoin is my financial energy storage. It's my personal bank. It's what I'm going to pass down to my children and I will never sell it, but I might leverage it. So I might pledge it to a bank, a crypto bank, and they might give me a loan. And then I might use that loan to buy real estate. In fact, I've already done that, but I might do it to a larger extent later on. If you don't prepare yourself and understand fiat, uh, I would even recommend Look into the Bretton Woods Agreement, uh, why Nixon took us off the gold standard. Look into fractional reserve banking. So like if you deposit $100, the bank can basically lend out 1000 and crap like that. And look into derivatives a little bit and just see how these complex, weird things are kind of just a way for people to gamble and make money. And that's why we have the 2009 financial crisis and why we will keep having these massive crises. There's like $400 trillion, I think, in derivatives or something absurd. Like it's not even based on economic reality. I mean, the entire assets of the planet are like 100 trillion. That includes everything. When you look into this stuff and you realize like how many people are just playing this game because that just is the way it is. And they benefit from it because they make money on the fees or this or that, or they get bailed out by the government. They can literally take massive risk. And the government says, you're too big to fail. We got to give you a bunch of money. And they get rewarded for misinvesting, misattributing funds for failing. They basically take the entrepreneurial risk and they pay none of the risk cost when they fail. It's absolutely insane. And as an entrepreneur, this irks me the most because when I spend money on investment or I do a marketing campaign or I do this or I do that, I bear the brunt of all the failure. Nobody bails me out. Nobody even says, sorry, pat in the back, try it better next time. Like I literally have to deal with it all myself. And these freaking crony bankers and these banksters as some call them. Yeah. So I'm going to end there because as you can see, I can keep going with this. If you don't prepare yourself and we have a hyperinflation scenario, it's going to look like Lebanon, Venezuela, Nicaragua. I, I, I think they have, they, I mean, most of these countries have hyperinflation, mostly because they can't print up money the way America can. And so we've kind of pawned off our fiat stuff onto them too. Uh, what's the other country? Venezuela, El Salvador. Yeah, like literally most of the countries around the world, Brazil, Argentina, a lot of these, these countries continually have currency crises uh, that keep everyone poor. And yeah, it's just, it, it's really bad. So that's going to be it for today's show. I hope I gave you something to think about. Uh, maybe some action items. I know that I can't always give you a simple solution to something, but if I could give you a simple solution to today's show, it would be buy Bitcoin. Just buy it consistently. Don't worry about the price. Do not sell it when it rises in value because if it goes to 100,000, you're going to be kicking yourself when it goes to a million or 5 million or 10 million. And I believe at some point in in my lifetime, probably a lot sooner than later, Bitcoin's going to reach a million dollars a coin and it's likely going to probably stabilize between 5 and 10 million coin if we look at some of the different models that suggest that. And I believe we're gonna get there. I think it's gonna be the thing that's gonna demonetize uh, the US dollar. It's going to, in a good way though, this is gonna be like a bloodless revolution because if the dollar collapses, it it could be really bad. Like it could be very bad geopolitically. It could be very bad uh, for in America for like civil war type stuff. So Bitcoin really is our best chance at a better future that is not based on, on fake dollars and just making things out of thin air, which just passes the bill to the next generation. Uh, and we can have equality for all and we can remove the power from these centralized structures that have incentives to maintain their power. And 
the incentives to maintain their power is to then pillage value from the rest of society. And like, obviously that's got to go. All right. So Colin.coach, get the newsletter, subscribe on iTunes. Is it iTunes? I always say iTunes. Yeah. I mean, iTunes podcast, right? Podcast, YouTube, Google, uh, or Spotify. I'm on YouTube and the podcast apps, and I'll see you in the next one. 